Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Second Estate. Uh, I forgot to do three, two, one. I was literally about to interrupt you and say you didn't do three, I might leave that in and then just... All right. All right. Okay. Um, Three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Second Estate, uh, where our investigation into the whereabouts of Demi Lovato's tooth gap continues. Turns out it's actually responsible for the Burger King International Women's Day post. Uh, so sense. Yeah, so we're having yeah. a little bit of trouble getting in contact with it um, because, as you can imagine, its inbox is completely flooded with abuse. Um, <laughs> anyway, as always, we are your hosts. I'm Sarah Bale. I'm Anna Seymour. I don't have my period this week, but I do have a sty and I've lost my voice. So... You're constantly one-upping yourself. Yeah, I always have some various ailment each week that somehow prevents me from performing by the the, podcast. By like the the fifth year of doing this, you'll have a ninja cockle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've lost a limb. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. you'll have the plague, something that doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) The bubonic plague. I like put fake cysts all over my body. Yeah. Anyway, um, if you haven't listened to this podcast before, <laughs> you just got a little intro. We release new episodes every week and discuss the biggest and most interesting happenings from the week across pop culture, news and entertainment. In today's episode, we're discussing the much anticipated and controversial Oprah interview with Harry and Meghan, Dr. Seuss Enterprise's decision to cease publishing of six of his titles for their racist content and wrapping up with a deep dive review of Netflix's newest popular show, Ginny and Georgia. Yeah, there's gonna be a big. It'll be a good app. Um, yeah, I was wondering quickly because we're not talking about it because it only like just happened in real mm. time, like an hour ago, basically. Did you uh, catch any of the Grammys today? I saw some bits and pieces. Yeah, I saw that Taylor Swift won Album of the Year. Yeah, um, so random. Yeah, I mean it's not that random though. I feel like that was destined to always happen since Taylor Swift is obsessed with the Grammys and they're obsessed with her. So The reason why I think it's random is because like this year they got like everybody in awards shows has got in so much trouble for like lack of representation. That's true. So I was like, oh, maybe I don't even think anyone – I can't remember who was nominated. I'm not going to lie, I have no idea who who was was nominated. I only know the people who I thought should have won and then Post Malone for some reason was nominated. (laughs) So like none of those are representational. Um, but uh, that's why I was like, oh, random decision for Taylor Swift. Yeah. You know, I just thought, yeah. I don't know, though. I'm not yeah. – that. I just doesn't surprise me that much. I feel like she's no. – she, she she did break – so her and Beyonce broke, both broke records. So oh, yeah. She broke the record – the record? The record. The record. The record. <laughs> um, she broke the record for the only female to ever win Album of the Year three times, which is oh, pretty yeah, cool. Oh, yeah, that's cool. And Beyonce, the um, – the most awards, Grammy awards for a female in history. Wow, nice. Um, so both pretty cool. Yeah. Regardless of what you think of the wins, I feel like those are some yeah. some nice little um, achievements. Yeah, they're great. Um, meaningless yeah. but um, Meaningless cool. but cute. Yeah, it's nice. I, it's a nice uh, – I, I felt bad for Dua Lipa. I really, she didn't win Song of She didn't win that anything really in a big category. Didn't and she? I, no. She won, just not knowing anything No, she won me. like best pop vocal performance or something. like. And like that's like – I, that album and that record, yeah. Don't Start Now, like, I felt like that really deserved at least it did. something. I agree Not with you. Not fucking Billie Eilish's rehash of some What depressing. did she win? She won Record of the Year. She probably shouldn't have. No, considering <laughs> she won every award last yeah. year. Not deservedly really like, yeah I'm but like, i also feel like have no idea what really Eilish did in last year and if yeah. i don't know about it then <laughs> obviously it's wrong, it's wrong. <laughs> um yeah mm. i mean also another thing that didn't make the cut today was the burger king international women's day post on twitter yeah if you didn't see it they posted on well, the twitter. one that demi lovato's tooth gap yes <laughs> yeah they sorry not burger king demi lovato's tooth gap <laughs> yeah posted that um that women, be- they just said women belong in the kitchen. And that was all I they tweeted. I li- liked it. <laughs> <laughs> so for some context, they also had a big advertising campaign around this. And the gag, or not even a gag, it was more um, to like raise awareness for the fact that only 20% of people who work in kitchens, like professional kitchens in the US are women. Yeah. yeah. So the whole point of the campaign, it was a bit of a gag. And then basically they got told by the Twitter mob, tone deaf. I th- 
uh, offensive. I don't know. I thought I it was like really it clever. I thought it was like funny, it subversive, everything a great ad campaign has. It should make you, you know, um, sort of sit up a bit or something. I thought it's it was also great. so funny. Like, yeah, it, it's really funny, yeah. Burger King posting women belong in the kitchen <laughs> is the most random, random, funny, like all the spin-off tweets of like – I saw one that had all the different, like, fucked tweets that different, yeah. like, fast food joints would have. And one was, like, Arby's being, like, please dine with us. <laughs> That's good. Um, never, not that I know what Arby's even is, but that yeah. kind of makes sense. Uh, but, yeah. Anyway, that was a cool, a no, cool thing like that happened. Um, yeah, no, it was good. And I thought yeah. the hate was unnecessary. It was a great advertising campaign Agreed. as far as I was concerned. Shall we? Yeah, let's let's dive in. Also, I'm really sorry for those listening because my voice really does sound. Um, You're right. So you can tell can how much deal. effort it is to get get the words out. Okay, first story. So last Sunday, CBS broadcasted their much anticipated Oprah interview with Harry and Meghan, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. So. In this interview, Harry and Meghan made some pretty significant claims about the royal family, including, these are just a few examples, that someone in the family made comments at some point to Harry about how dark their baby Archie's skin might be, that uh, Harry was trapped in the royal family and his father and brother still are, and that Meghan was suicidal during her pregnancy with Archie. So after the interview, there's been pretty mixed reactions and many people have come out in support of them while other people have accused them of lying. Uh, Sarah, what were your overall thoughts after watching this interview? Okay, just a quick disclaimer before we start this and Hannah knows. Uh, <laughs> it's not a surprise. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, um, um, I am, my responses to this will be quite scripted, so if it feels a little stilted and weird, it's just – I. It's a work thing. I can't go into that much detail and it's fine. No and, comment. No, yeah, and so um, – I might do a lot of like responding to you okay. in, ver- in a very measured way rather than perhaps bringing up what I thought. This is going to be yeah, really It's going to be really hard, but we're <laughs> trying to do this. We're, we're do- doing this for you guys because we know there's a big issue and people want us to talk. Well, one person probably said they wanted us to talk about it, but still I'm um, – no, I just – just forgive me if um, – it's not so much conversational and it seems like I'm reading a pre-prepared uh, statement. Uh, Sarah is a robot. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, should I start with how I feel? Yes, about please start okay. with how you feel. So I had some pretty mixed feelings about this interview. On the face of it, I think it's pretty clear that <clears throat> excuse me, Mary Megan, Mary Markle is what I was. Mary said. had. <laughs> this is going so well so far. Yeah. Megan Markle's had some very hard, harsh press coverage throughout the past four years since she started dating Harry. And I think it's really understandable um, that she wanted to get out of the royal family. I personally don't have a problem with the fact that they made that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't get me angry. And I think for the sake of her own health, um, based on what she's spoken about, uh, it makes sense for them to have agency over their own lives. I'm, I'm chill with that. Okay. Um, I guess what I struggle with here is there seem to be a lot of things that they said or rather that Harry said uh, that it seemed very like they said a lot of things, a lot of actually like valid things, but also a lot of it felt kind of vague and not specific. Like yeah. um, Harry sort of made the point that he felt trapped in the royal family and that Archie and Meghan weren't going to be protected. But then he said if they had been protected, they would have stayed. But then I was like, but if you felt trapped, I'm just confused. Like it just, I left feeling a bit confused by the whole thing because I was like, I feel that there are some very, we're getting their side, which is great, but I feel that there's probably a lot that's mm. being left out and a lot that we don't aren't privy to and we may not ever be privy to because of how the royal family operates. Right. So what are your thoughts? Um. <laughs> So I think that's an interesting point about it being <laughs> confusing. I concur. Um, I uh, think that – sorry, I'm just trying to be so careful with my words. Okay, so I think that um, the the confusing part for me comes down to a really basic factor, which is they have they expressed in the reason that they left the royal family was because they – being hounded by the press, they wanted a private, normal life somewhere away from the UK in which they weren't in front of cameras and they weren't subjected to, you know, um, vicious news cycles, etc. 
to do a two-hour Oprah interview <laughs> after claiming that, seem, those two concepts are a bit at odds for me. Um, <laughs> sorry. I find that... Um, I find that a confusing element for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that because of that, because there is this disparity between what they've said they wanted and what they are doing, it, also Netflix deals, etc. very public high-profile things, moving to Los Angeles, very ho- Hollywood, a very public uh, area of the world. I think it's confusing then to watch them talk about their sort of struggles because you don't know what the, their aim of the interview is from their perspective. That's what I found very confusing. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Watching you uh, like choke those I, words I, out is I incredible. I just think there were various instances within this interview where they perhaps were trying to paint their situation in an ext- extremely sympathetic way. Yeah. When by nature being multimillionaires, royals, people with access to the most powerful people in the world, that is not a sympathetic situation to be in by any means at any point in time. And I struggled with that a lot watching it. Yeah, I I agree with you in the 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 argument that there you know there is that element of like what you know we are being positioned to feel empathy for them or, right. or even not just empathy but sympathy mm-hmm. um i guess i do feel that in some ways that's warranted purely based on the fact that the way in which both her and kate middleton her are uh, with as they said in the interview racial undertones mm-hmm. the way her and kate women generally are presented um, or depicted in the press yeah. is really fucked up. And I think yeah. that that's a really, regardless of what you think of them, I think that, that Megan made some really important, like her talking about feeling suicidal and stuff, mm-hmm. I think is important. And I guess it does shine a light on the fact that it would be really fucked to be in that position. Right. Having your you yourself scrutinise and not being able to say anything about yeah, it. I yeah. think that's probably really the the gist is that, if you're a celebrity, you can kind of like tweet whatever you like, right. you know, like I guess what they kind of said is that they can't, they're not allowed to respond or the, and mm-hmm. the, the, the Kensington Palace or whatever, the, the firm wouldn't respond mm-hmm. on their behalf. Um, and of course the other al- alluding to the fact that there's, that they're, sorry, Alfie, Sarah's Chihuahua is just stomping on my legs. <laughs> he wants you to um, So I, I think, you know, I get that and I guess what I found interesting, like your point about them wanting privacy, yeah, is it seemed to me in the interview what they were saying isn't that they wanted privacy but rather they wanted to be able to – because the, the fact that the Archie wasn't going to get security, like it seemed more that they needed – they wanted to be able to um, – have, have security and eat it no too. have security um, is that and, and be able to have fr- like is that not it well okay I that was another argument which I found very odd because sorry I'm no sorry it, um because like the whole sort of argument and the and a lot of the arguments against royalty in general um worldwide but I guess particularly in the UK is taxpayers fund the royal family and what do they do Right, that's like a big argument against royals in general, particularly the British monarchy. Um, so I can't imagine the backlash to two very public members of the royal family quitting royal duty, which is what they've done, and stepping back from the reason in which taxpayers fund their lifestyle—billions-dollar weddings, etc., living in castles, um. Pro- private planes, whatever, like these things that these people get that we can never imagine, the level of sort of uh, grandeur and privilege and whatever. Um, And the UK taxpayer funds that because they, one, bring a lot of tourism to the country. It's a big part of British tourism. But two, it's a majorly sort of traditional service role. It's this sort of duty, queen and country. Like it's a real – it's a a, sort of a cultural thing for the UK, right, that they preserve and they – are the faces of 
why should the UK taxpayer have to pay for two members or two non-serving members to have security when they're not upholding their end of the deal? I thought that what they were saying was that when Archie was born, when they were still active Mm -hmm. members of the royal family, that Archie wasn't going to get security. So that's like – this is also a little bit of a problem that I have with the interview because that's a little misleading and I think that – Megan tried to paint that as if it was a racial thing when it when it's not. The they can't have thousands of princes and princesses, right? Just because they literally can't afford to um do like se- secure princes and princesses on like on the on that level for so many for so many people. So the it goes till the queen's grandchildren, their princes and princesses, and then after that, if you're not in direct line to the throne, so you're not Will and Kate's kids, you are not a prince and princess until you are a grandchild of the monarch. Does that make sense? Yeah, so when I she, do know. Yeah. But I understand this. Yeah. But the security thing the of se- Archie so getting security. Harry has security. Meghan yeah. would have had security. So I don't know when Archie would have been alone without them. Um, and I, not um, in need. But the security thing is like he would have been very secure at, at Frogmore Cottage. I guess the, I can understand the, when they the, serve the, the British public. The ongoing concern for them that they that they're not going to be looked after, and yet they can't. Megan can't like go and have a normal job. Well, she can now. Yeah, but she couldn't when she was a working royal. But like, he was protected when they were working royals because he was within the royal institution. They were living in on royal grounds. Yeah, but they, they were, once he grows up, what does he do? Like it seems a bit. Well, Queen doesn't have that long left, so he'll become a prince very shortly. That's true. Um, so I think because he will become a prince once Charles once, becomes king. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, that's true. Because then he has a direct line to the throne. Right. And yeah. also, I think uh, look, I don't know the ins and outs of like the security details that they're assigned and stuff, but I think that that was quite a when that them bringing that up felt so disingenuous to to me. I, I felt really um I don't know. I, I felt like they threw that in as some element in which we were meant to be sympathetic with, but I just, I just can't find myself being sympathetic to people who are millionaires with on their own personal fortune, who are not in their public fortune or whatever, are also millionaires being upset about not having security. Like LA actors pay for their own security. If you want to be a private citizen, then pay for your own security. Yeah, like I, 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 from my perspective, looking at this and like what they were saying and stuff, and I guess why I had the like feeling of like, oh, something feels like it's not adding up here. Yeah. And I even felt that like Oprah wasn't that convinced either. No, to be I, no, I agree. She was kind of, there's a few moments where she pushed back a little bit. Particularly when Harry came in and was saying they're trapped and she was like, okay, in, bro. In but, a castle. Ooh. Oh, sad. Um, Rapunzel, Rapunzel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I'm going, yeah. No. <laughs> I did feel that um, – I felt that they're – and I agree with you in the sense that, like, the I don't think there's 100% honesty happening here. Like, I think yeah. the reality from my perspective is that Meghan and Harry wanted to leave the royal family because they wanted freedom mm-hmm. and they wanted to be able to, like, do their own thing. I think Meghan probably just fucking hated it, as yeah. it sounds like, and she wanted out. Yeah. And he wanted to go with her because he loves her. Yeah, and definitely. he realised there's this other life he could have. Yeah. Which to- in itself is actually really understandable. From yes. my, I think that is. Uh, yeah. You know, and I guess they probably felt the need to defend themselves because there were all of these claims like they decided not to give Archie a title. And yeah. there were a lot of things that had been claimed about them or that Megan made Kate cry that weren't true. Mm. So I get that they want – I feel like the Oprah thing was them trying to, like, fight fight yeah. those claims. But at the same time, I'm like – there it does feel that there's some kind of mental gymnastics happening right. where I'm like, okay, what's, let's They're, just get to the real crux of what mm, the <laughs> issue trying is. Trying to draw parallels that may not necessarily exist in right. order to uh, position themselves more favourably t- to the public. Is well, that diplomatic? Probably. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, it does feel like they just love rescuing things. <laughs> Sorry, that's um, mean. There's uh, a quote from Megan in the interview uh, where she's like, we just love rescuing things. I and was, I, that, I that lo- did make me go, okay. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I think, look, I'm just, hang on, I'm just turning. Um, I'm just trying to. So the, I guess the other element is the, is the racism element. And I think, of course, within the 
royal institution within the British media. There are elements of racism. In fact, one of those institutions is built on it. Um, And, of course, I think she would have suffered, um, you know, whether or not it was direct racism or whatever, uh, exchanges that had racial undertones, articles that had even explicit racial um, prejudice, whatever. Uh, I don't – I'm not convinced that's the reason in which – or the reason why the British public fell out of love with her, I'll be honest. I think uh, it has more to do with the American sensibility um, of hers, which I I think Americans, like especially sort of coastal Americans, which is what she was, they, they can't really understand the royal family and how they fit in society because they don't have anything like it and they can't grasp the concept of duty before self. As, like and I and I'm trying really <laughs> to be really careful here, but I just think that that is what <laughs> makes form pro monarchy. But like I, like, I mean, God save our gracious <laughs> queen. I no, but I, I, I think yeah. I just think it, it was that American sensibility in which, and and maybe she uh was a little like obviously I don't believe a thing that she didn't look him up at all and she didn't know who he was because that, that just it can't be true. That did make uh, yeah. me like, sweet sweet pie. <laughs> yeah. You can just say it. Yeah, <laughs> like it's fine. Obviously like anyone looks up anyone that they go out with, let I, alone if they're a prince. I not only just look up but like finds their social security number. Right, you know right. what I mean? Like I know some yeah. people who can find out plenty of information <laughs> about people if you need. People who aren't famous and aren't yes. royals. But I think I think um Sorry, I forgot my We don't have social age. security numbers. But no, but anyway. I think like it was probably she didn't really quite understand and I, I think it's maybe it's not really her fault. It's just the nature of being American. They don't have the tie to something like an institution that with that those kind of roots in tradition, whether, you know, obviously there's issues with it. I'm not saying that they're like an innocent, benevolent, you know, institution or whatever, but... I think she couldn't really grasp just how much of yourself you have to give up to do that role and that's why people turned because they were like, "You seems more about you than it does about the people or the, the crown. I'm trying to be really I, no, like. I think that's a, there's a point, that's a good point but I also would argue that like, the frame media framing of her right. played a huge role in dictating how people in the UK, particularly pro-monarchists, who read yeah. tabloids, they mm, do, mm. they read all those tabloids, and the fact that Meghan was co- constantly, like more often yeah. than not, presented negatively would... Oh, something fell. <laughs> um, fine. You know, would have played a big role in... It's Meghan. It's <laughs> Meghan, a ghost. Um, she's alive, but anyway... Um, yeah, it would have played a big role in dictating how people in the UK felt about her. Uh, like, in addition, perhaps, to what? Yes. there. Yes, but there are several members of the royal family, which I can't go into, who have had similarly negative coverage and have not abandoned post. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying you are saying that her Americanism is the reason people fell oh, out right, of love right, with right, her. Right. And I, I'm saying yeah. the negative press I don't coverage. think because she was American. I don't mean that. I no, just mean her I know what due you're saying. to that. Yes. Yeah. But I'm saying that as well, like the intensely intense media scrutiny would have played a role in people falling out of love with her yeah. because she was presented to have made Kate Middleton cry. And like she yeah. was presented in a way that was so – the whole avocado thing. Like there were some pretty – I'm yeah. sure that yeah. I know there was Wadey Katie. Like I'm not saying that yeah. didn't happen to other. Yeah. But in you know it it influences how people feel about them. Right. Um, should we wrap up? Yeah, we probably should. I do um, want to say one thing before. We go wrap ahead. Up. Um, I found this headline which I just it really cracked yeah. me up from the Mail Online that Piers Morgan. Oh wrote. yeah. Do you want to talk about Piers Morgan? Do we have time? Like no, qu- quickly, if you want to quickly go to. So about his Piers headline from the Mail Online, Piers Morgan. Meghan and Harry's nauseating two-hour Oprah Winathon <laughs> was a disgraceful diatribe of cynical race-baiting propaganda designed to damage the Queen as her husband lies in hospital and to destroy the monarchy. <laughs> I mean, it just—it no, really everyone's hating on the bloke, but I mean, yeah. I let's move on. I think. 
Okay. Yeah, it's probably safe yes, for me to move, move on. on. Okay. So, um, if anyone wants to know like our private thoughts on what happened, please. I mean, go ahead. Give me a call. I just can't say it publicly. She desperately <laughs> wants to tell. Oh me. my god, I've never had to be so measured in my whole life. All right, back to ba- back to business. So, um, after backlash over racist caricatures and themes of cultural dominance and dehumanization. This month, Dr. Seuss Enterprises announced they would stop publication of six Dr. Seuss books that portray people in ways that are hurtful and wrong. That's a quote from them. The books were, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, If I Ran the Zoo, McElliot's Pool, On Beyond Zebra, Scrambled (laughs) Eggs Super and the Cat's Quizzer. Hannah, do you like green eggs and ham? Sam, I am. That's a really good intro. Um, I honestly, yes. Um... (laughs) You meant yeah. to say no? I do not no, like green I, no, eggs I and don't, ham. Sam, I will be I honest. Um, I don't I think like. I like really read a lot of D- Dr. Seuss growing up, so yeah. I know like Cat in the Hat and yeah. You didn't know green eggs and ham. I do not of it, but only yeah. because of um, what's the movie? Ryan. No. Sorry. No, Eddie Murphy, Daddy Daycare. They fucking love that. Movie. The bit in Daddy Daycare yeah. about green eggs and ham. I don't That's, remember, but yeah, whatever. Anyway. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> Other my, than your opinions on Green yeah. X&M, what did you think about the fact that Dr. Seuss publications, whatever the fuck it's called, uh, had to, or seized, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Firstly, what I found interesting about this was this is actually a decision by Dr. Seuss Enterprises yeah. themselves after they got Not advice. By Twitter. No, after they got advice from a panel of experts and educators, um, not because of a public campaign or like external pressure, i.e. Twitter, they just actually just decided to do it. So they decided to do it last year, but only publicized it this year uh, recently. Um, At first, I wasn't sure about this, but um, I actually personally don't have a problem with it. I Mm. think that it's, I think that it makes sense. I think that it's like the, I think, What's happened is that a general right-wing reaction to this has been the argument that this is cancel culture or that, like, Dr. Right. Seuss is being cancelled. Mm. <laughs> and I think that's fear-mongering in a way because it's not – the books aren't being banned or burned or, like, they're just being put out of um, publication mm-hmm. for now. And, like, you just won't be able to buy a new copy. So if you really want to read your kids those books – you're allowed to and you can. There are yeah. plenty of copies that have been published over the past, like, yeah, however many years. Um, but I can understand the concern that it brings up because people, you hear that and think, oh, it's bad. But, like, throughout history, including Dr. Seuss, books get edited and altered to remove um, racist or sexist or just generally yeah. problematic tropes out of children's literature mm-hmm. because it... It's well, I think because it's such a young audience mm. and it's kind of forming the minds of very young people, mm. having racist depictions of people can have a really negative impact. So yeah, those are my thoughts. What are your thoughts? Um, <laughs> I don't like I, I agree that I don't I don't think it's cancelling Dr. Seuss per se. I I don't care about these Dr. Seuss books specifically either. I I don't think anyone's gonna miss them particularly, um or that it's a huge issue like that we're never gonna read them again or whatever i just disagree with like the principle of censoring old art not that this is art but literature i guess um uh to fit modern principles a little bit i just think that and i understand that it's kids books and stuff um but i just feel like even in the last sort of 10 years things have completely changed uh culturally in regard especially in regards to discussion um and depictions of like race and inclusivity uh and it's kind of unwise contextually to remove that work um or to just to start removing that work because like at one point that work didn't offend people on a mass scale like it does now and i think if we lose the context in like if we lose sort of uh I'm just trying to word this properly. Like if we if we lose things that we've come to know as racist or problematic in whatever way, then how do we know how far we've come? How do we know what is racist and problematic? Like I think it's not useful but important to understand or to be able to see like kind of what the world was like and provide, use that to motivate what the world is now does, does that make sense no that does make sense but i guess like oh 
Okay. Lots of noises in this episode. I guess I don't ne- agree that that seizing publication of these books is really going to remove our ability to do that. Like I, think well, I don't that- think Dr. Seuss. Sorry, Injun. I'm, I'm. I guess I'm talking more in a in a in a uh, general context, a, a broader context, not Dr. Those fucking. I mean, his most popular book is about a cat in a hat. So I don't really think that we need to like put that much sort of um credit on on Dr. Seuss for influencing uh, what people think about time periods and race. Um, but I just yeah, I just think more broadly, I just don't like the idea of sort of um yeah removing those things to to match a sensibility that didn't exist then. Does so, that make sense? Yeah. No. I mean, okay. So for example. Um, Alfie, (laughs) so um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, yeah, is an example of like a book that's been edited, um, since like I think I think it was like in the 1970s before, yeah, before then the Oompa Loompas were from Africa, as in just generically from Africans, right? Right, yeah, well, yeah, like so a very racist trope, yeah, and um. That's obviously since been changed in that book. They're yeah. actually white-skinned, very, very white-skinned, and they're from a fake place. So Aren't Oompa orange? Well, yeah, but in the book, apparently in the 70s, it got changed in the writing. But they're orange. What, yeah, I know, but that, that's what apparently in like the original book what they've changed it to. Oh, in the, in the, the so, book. So in the book, they changed them from pygmy Africans to white people. To like little white creatures with blushed skin from some mystical Munchkins. land. I don't know. <laughs> But in the yeah. movie, they interpreted them I don't as know. orange. I'm not sure why they made them orange in the movie. That's I mean, that's artistic expression, people. Yeah, <laughs> well, orange is, you know, completely different, you know. Uh, but I guess what I would say is like that as an example of a change in literature. Do you right? Do you have a problem I mean, with no, that? No, I don't. No, no, I don't have a problem with yeah. that. I just think I, it's. I I I don't really care about like kids' books having certain little niche characters changed from like I think there were things like portrayals of like Chinese people or something in in Dr. Seuss literature like to be like really stereotypical that's fine I just guess it's like the broader context of allow allowing this stuff to just get not forgotten about but sort of erased from people's minds or whatever and I guess that goes into the sort of more hysteria of like book burning and shit that right-wing people or whatever were talking about and how they were sort of fear-mongering that and I don't mean by any like way to fear monger being like they're coming for our classics um to think that i saw it on mulberry street is first and buddy to kill a mockingbird's gonna yeah, be next i think i saw it on mulberry, mulberry street is one <laughs> yeah. of the most influential pieces of literature right. from the 20th century but i just guess i guess like anything too, too far one way too far the other so what would you sorry me what would you if this so you're yeah. saying that you have a problem with but not in the case of these dr seuss books well no i just don't really yeah. care like i mean they're pretty low stakes i just what guess if it a, would be yeah. something like to kill a mockingbird something in which racial uh you know it, it's a massive part of the books or like that would be concerning if they started to change elements of that to be more of a uh, modern depiction of how race sort of um is treated or whatever. And like even, okay, I thought about um, there's an episode of 30 Rock or a couple of episodes of 30 Rock that got taken off uh, streaming services because um, 30 Rock is like a, if anyone doesn't know it, it's like a sitcom from the run from like 2006, 2013, something like that. Best show ever made. Uh, anyway, <laughs> but um, but they, they had a couple of episodes where characters were in blackface and one of them was John Hamm. Do you know John Hamm? Yes. Don Draper, Mad no, Men. I, I know. I but think I know. He, about they this. were acting a sketch, like it was. They were they were acting out sketches from like fake TV shows, from like the sixties or the fifties or whatever. And he was in blackface, and it was him and um, Tracy Morgan, who is a black comedic actor, like acting together. But John Hamm was in blackface, and like the whole joke was at the end of the episode of this old TV show. Like Tracy Morgan is so sick of his like gross depiction of. Um, like you know black americans at the time that he like they end up getting into a physical fight and then it like cuts to um technical difficulties or whatever and that's like part of it and i'm like it seems really fucking silly to censor that episode when it was like one making like a comment on what things used to be like and two it wasn't like an actual depiction in the in the way of like making fun of 
black people. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't mm-hmm. an actually, it was the intention wasn't there. And I thought that that was a little bit oversensitive. Um, and I guess things like that I have a problem with. Yeah, I guess the the what I would say to that is like in the case, and I guess this is what I said before, but in the case of it being something like Dr. Seuss or children's literature, I think yeah. there is a massive difference because of the target audience. Yeah, right. Because I think that the fact that Dr. Seuss books are being read to children uh, when they're really young, and it, you'd, I don't, I think we have to give credit to the fact that like what we consume and mm. what we what happens to us as children really actually does have an influence. Yeah. And kids do you not can, think it goes over kids' heads? I think some things do, yeah. but I think often kids can absorb things and like absorb biases and stuff without right. necessarily being able to like mm. communicate those ideas. It's mm. difficult to know, but I right. also think that like if children are, and you just don't know, like if children are having these books read to them. Um, without the additional education around the fact that like these representations are kind of fucked, then that's a problem. So I kind of, in this case, I actually think... You understand. I understand and I think it's okay for us to edit old literature. It also doesn't... It's not banning them. It's not removing them from the zeitgeist. If you want to seek out one of those Dr. Seuss books for educational purposes or whatever for your own interest, you can. Yeah. Um, I think, Um, you know... The, and what's interesting as well, I think about this yeah. is like from a pure because Dr. Seuss Enterprises, which I love mm. that there's a, that mm. they exist. That's the name. Um, is that they chose to do this, and they're not his most popular titles. So I feel that potentially, from like a purely economic perspective, <laughs> they just didn't want to keep you can look at the company's decision and go, okay, well they're kind of making like a preemptive and even potentially financial decision about a number of books that they no longer want to carry. Because right. maybe they're just not making that much yeah, money. Probably. You know, it's not like they're cancelling. Oh, I'm not going to excuse me yeah. cancelling, but like ceasing to publish Cat in the Hat. You yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah. like we have to also look at it that way. And his daughter came out, uh, sorry, stepdaughter came yeah. out and said um, that she thinks, I think in this day and age it's a wise decision. I think this is, this is a world that right now is in pain. We've all got to be very gentle and thoughtful and kind with each other. She also said that she hopes they'll come out again in the future which right. I thought was interesting because she seemed to be sort of saying that I think we're just pausing <laughs> we're pausing we're pausing that- on racism and we'll come back to it later <laughs> <laughs> or that right now you know the world's in pain and we have to be thoughtful with each other which yeah. I think is potentially a good point but I'm yeah. also like I don't know if they're gonna come back so yeah, yeah, yeah. you know um uh, yeah. I just uh I guess yeah quickly to that point I think if it if changing it doesn't impact like the fabric of the story or the context of a story, I think that's fine. But I guess when it becomes when changing things starts to impact the actual context around a story, a piece of art, whatever it, that may be, that's when I find it like a little bit unnecessary because I'm like we do understand and I like what things used to be like. You know, you watch an episode of Mad Men and you don't go that's how I should treat women in the workplace. Like, yeah, but you know, Mad like, Men is not a children's show. I know, show. I know, like, I know. I, I know. think that makes a really big difference. Um, Sorry. But, but um, I found that there was this interesting quote uh, that I read and I didn't write down the article or the news outlet. Uh, um, plagiarism it was just coming my, out. It was just my um, <laughs> thoughts. No, uh, it, it says, uh, instead finding meaning, meaningful ways to contextualise these Historical aspects for young readers today might be a better focus rather than withholding a few and letting more prominent titles slide by. Um, yeah, I just thought that was an interesting point. Yeah, I no, I think it's an interesting conversation. We should probably move on, FYI. Okay. Yeah, let's move on. Um, cool. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> this, um, I'm really hot in here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm not. No worries. The Funny. Sty and you've lost your voice. That's cool. I've got a number uh, of other ailments that I have to yeah. think about. So. Um, okay. So this episode of The Second Estate uh, is proudly brought to you by Megan McCain, uh, John McCain's daughter, view co-host, style icon. icon. Um, she just brings me more joy than anyone else in the world and I wanted to publicly thank her. Oh, it's just that. sponsored by her. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's just that Megan like is – um, Our favourite Megan. Oh, she's uh, – they're on par for <laughs> – in terms of – I would say, like, if you guys are interested, there's this great – a couple of great Megan McCain clips I can send you. She's – A lot of DMs getting sent yeah. away. So. No, I mean, I'm, I'll talk to you about Megan McCain. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> fuck, she's funny. You can anyway. only message Sarah directly about anyone named Megan. Anyone named Megan with an With, with an alliteration. H in there. Yeah. And alliteration. Mm. Alliteration in their mm. name. No, Megan McCain is funny as fuck. Uh, 
she wears some whack outfits, <laughs> whack hairstyles, and says some whack shit. Um, she so, really cares about paid parental leave. So. Yeah, and she also, but only since having a baby. I know that um, was what and it was. She spinning. also um, uh, claimed on a recent episode of The View that her and her brother would play Abraham Lincoln. Like that's what they would play as a game as kids. They'd be like, "I'm a founding father," um, which is a lie. Obviously, there's no true. child ever done that. It's just not anyway, true, um, whatever. All right, let's move on. Okay, so last week a new show. Actually, I don't think it was last week. I think it was two weeks ago. Anyway, oh, yeah, a new. I don't know. <laughs> who knows? A new show aired on Netflix called Ginny and Georgia. So the show follows Ginny, a 15 year old girl, and her mum Georgia, a 30 year old Southerner. Who, 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 specifically from where I can't remember, um, who had Georgia? I don't no, think Alabama. Alabama. Alabama, that's it. Who had Ginny when she was just 15. So in the show, they're moving with Ginny's half-brother to a new town, Wellsbury, Massachusetts, where the show takes place. So, Sarah, what are your thoughts on the first season of Ginny and Georgia? Okay, I didn't get through it all. I'm sorry. I couldn't do it. Did it's you? It's okay. No, but only because I... um. I just ran out of time right. to watch it. I, no, my se- episode eight. There are ten episodes. Okay, I, I'm on seven. Okay, which is like a valiant effort. I'm, I'm just gonna say. Um, no. I, okay, so my sister told me I had to get to the tap dancing scene, <laughs> and I was watching this fucking show, like episode four, episode five. Where's this fucking tap dancing scene? And I was like, what's it gonna be? Oh, there's a school musical that got mentioned in like the first. Yeah. Ep or something. So I was like, must be when the school musical happens. It's tap dancing. No, no. <laughs> no. Nah. I don't give a fuck if I spoil this either because. Oh, no, this, this is full is, of spoilers. So, sorry. I mean, don't turn off because don't, like, it doesn't matter to be spoiled for this show. It really doesn't matter. Anyway, the boyfriend, which we'll get to, specifically his hair. Um, <laughs> um, um, he, for the girl, the main girl, 15 year old girl's Ginny's birthday thinks it's socially o- acceptable and like morally okay <laughs> to tap dance down the hallway of their school to happy birthday. So it's like happy birthday to you. Like anyway, um, and they didn't find it mortifying in the show, which I found bizarre. There are several things in this show mm. that for some reason are presented as like cool and cute and everyone's obsessed with yeah. that in real life would be like, literally social oh, suicide you, you would know, have like, to move schools you'd have yeah. to move schools if he did that it would be um like he he's really one of the cool guys whereas in reality someone who does that is like full theater freak you know what i mean like yeah. me uh, no 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 much much worse, much worse. <laughs> no but like you'd no, be I like would genuinely like like he'd be especially in a in a in a co-ed would, public high people school people would look away or they start filming and post it as like uh, an the embarrassing video the school would have video. to do like an assembly being like, hey guys, like he's, you know, he's not quite there. Like, you could... there'd be a chat to the class. No, I'm sorry, if like, someone tapped down, have... down the fucking halls for their girlfriend, you would fucking it lose would be, your mind. He would get severely bullied. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas he's celebrated. It's, uh, yeah, it's really absurd. So, okay, I do have to say this though. You're yeah, going go. to hate me for this. No, I know what you're going to say. Go. I liked, I yeah, liked okay. Ginny and Georgia. So I just want to say I went into this show thinking it was going to be one of those stupid shows that would be so stupid yeah. that I couldn't mm. get through it. Yeah. Um, a la like the bold type. I don't know if anyone's okay. seen that or um, Emily in Paris. Em- Again, I didn't mind watching Paris. Or I was going to say like the kissing booth. It's right. just so stupid right, 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 that right, right, it's right. like. What is this, you know? But I will admit, and I will admit the pilot really did test me. Yeah. The pilot tested me, but I found after the pilot, I actually found myself going, oh, I want to keep watching. Uh, And when I had to watch it as research for for our podcast, I found that I was glad to keep watching it, um, which is not true of everything we review on the podcast. No. However, what I will say is that this show has the exact same synopsis as Hilary Duff's incredible film, The Perfect Man. Do you remember oh, yeah. that movie? Fuck, uh, I haven't so, seen that movie in no, so long. No, one of my favourite Hilary Duff movies. Yeah. It's truly terrible. Mine's Raise Your Voice. Oh, great film. Mm-hmm. So in the Hilary Duff movie, that which I assume was made in 2005, her mum yeah. and her, her and her youngest sister who wears glasses and is 10 years old and yeah. adorable move around the country 
because her mum gets a new boyfriend everywhere she goes, they inevitably break up and then they move, move again. again yeah. Which is exactly what happens in Ginny and Georgia. Yeah. I'm convinced that some of the lines in the script were directly <laughs> from the script of The Perfect Man. Um, so, yeah. That's the first thing I, you know. It's like um, I have made an observation a few years ago when the, the movie Manchester by the Sea came out. Do you know that film? No, I do not. Uh, it's like uh, Casey Affleck. It's about it's okay. about like a single dad in Boston. It's really gritty, like Oscar yeah, yeah, kind, yeah. Of, kind of movie. Um, It's a direct ripoff of Raising Helen starring okay. Kate Hudson <laughs> uh, and John Cusack. Uh and Hayden Penetier, <laughs> an amazing cast, actually. Oh, that wow, film. I should anyway, watch that. Anyway, but uh, I, uh, um, I wrote down here, just in response to what you said, as much as I fucking hate this show, I actually don't mind it. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I like, yeah. Oh, you I, said you yeah. couldn't get through it. I was uh, like, okay, so. The pilot so fucked me up, like you the said. Pilot, it I was, think the pilot must have been filmed seven episodes put together oh they always are but but what i feel from that is it's almost like they did the pilot and you can see that with so many shows where the pilots obviously like they they usually do that okay yeah but what i felt from it was it's like it's almost like after the pilot all of the actors felt way more like embarrassed well i kind of felt like particularly georgia the mom who has this Mm. fucked southern accent Mm, which mm. no real person has um Never mind, I apologise to all Some of us have holidayed in Smith Lake. Okay, true. And she is from like the the heart of Alabama. So I felt that she in the first episode was like, what am I doing here? Whereas I felt (laughs) that after this first episode, she kind of committed to what she was doing. Mm -hmm. I think she went, no, okay, this is what we're doing. I get it now. Because in the first episode, you see her character and you're like, what yeah. is this? Yeah. Why is this? Uh, uh, yeah. What? And then you kind of understand her character way more as the show develops. Yeah. And I think potentially the actor kind of did too after the pilot. So Definitely. Yeah. And that's a good point. Pilots are often filmed uh, for pilot season where they literally shop the pilot episode of a show of d- several shows all around um, to see what, you know, what works, what the networks want to pick up, what they don't. And in this case, like what the streaming services want to pick up. So that's, and that's often why sometimes in pilots actors look different. Uh-huh. Uh, like uh, famously Gossip Girl, Blair's mom oh. is a different actor. Yes. I love so, the Gossip Girl pilot because so it good. feels like a the different hair. show. Oh, I know. Anyway. It's so like 2006. It is. Oh, it's amazing. So good. Um, but yeah. Uh, so no, that makes sense. I think it was so overwhelming to begin that show uh, on that pilot because there was I wrote there's so much going on I feel nauseous yeah um because it's a lot there's like every scene introduces a new like hot button topic and it continues to happen f- for the first few eps really of the show until it kind of trusts itself to just follow one storyline for a little while like because there's literally like one minute like you're just you think oh okay like it's about the the mum and the and the daughter moving to a new house, and then suddenly the son's in a fight with this other kid, and then the mom's getting with the mayor, and then and then um, someone's deaf, and then something else. Like it's literally just saying, "You're like, hang on, hang on, hang on, wait." I need like a, a, a dot pointed list of what's wrong with all of these characters. Someone's someone's taping their thighs. Someone's burning their arms. Someone's yes. like, it's just like, I'm like, okay, like it's I, I'm slow down. There's like two guns. Like That's, I don't know. No, that is so true about the pace. I felt that all of it. Happened very quickly yeah. in the first like couple of episodes, yeah, and then it like it kind of went okay. This is where we're at. Yeah. Like it's really how it felt. I felt Could that have like dropped the other shit. Well, she yeah. like Ginny, um, like uh, Ginny's the daughter. George's the mum. Yes. So Ginny, you kind of think it would be the other way around. I always write Georgia instead. Anyway, yeah. Ginny has sex for the first time in the second episode. No, in the first episode. Oh, the first episode. Is it the first one? I I'm pretty was, sure. Oh, oh, maybe it's the second. I don't fucking know. Whatever. Anyway. They have sex, and it's literally the most like. Uh, oh 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 okay yeah. like you're kind of like okay he this guy comes in her window who she's met once barely yeah and they start having sex which yeah it did feel a bit like i was like hang on okay, oh I'm, okay right. that's what yeah. done what i did love about that this relationship so Ginny has this relationship with this guy marcus yeah, he's australian he's really hot he um, is <laughs> the only hot character in the show which so. we're getting to um so no he's really hot but what i did really like it like I feel like this show has uh, multiple re- representations of teenagers that are both – there are some really accurate representations of teenagers oh, yeah. and some incredibly inaccurate representations. Yeah. I felt that his 
how he the way he treats her after they have sex yeah it's pretty on point he's on point yeah but because i and you i actually don't feel like i've seen that in tv where a guy has been because he really is an asshole to her like yeah. she they have sex and then he kind of just fucks off and she's yeah. like oh my god and then he comes back to like kind of not really apologize yeah. and then finds out that she's taken the morning after tries to do it again and he's like and then she's like, no. And he's like, oh, okay. And walks out. Like, he's and such- then, like, transfers her money for the morning after pill. Like, Does he? Yeah, oh, yeah, I yeah. forgot that bit. He's yeah. a real prick to her. And I'm like, yeah, that is every fucking teenage boy. But so- at least it's like, yeah, I agree. It was accurate. I also um thought the only – so at the start I hated the best friend. I the, love her. The, so right. Same. I hated her at the start. And then I grew to like her because she – wasn't like it was too much it was just way too much talking i was just shut the fuck up i think they changed their mind about how fucked she would be i think they did too because then she became sympathetic you know when she like liked that girl and the girl didn't like her back or whatever and I thought the that pilot, was really you're like, sweet. That is a devil. Yeah, I'm like, please stop, stop, <laughs> stop. I um, I also thought that the girl in the friendship group, the one that tapes up her leg, yeah, she was the most realistic depiction of a teenage girl yes. I've seen on TV yes. in a long, long time. Totally one, agree. she looked like a teenage girl, um, because it's like I, I mean, it goes either way with some of them, but she really looked like a teenage girl. The way she behaved, like when they like shoplifted or whatever. Yeah. Um yeah. was really specific. How they had that text combo where they were in the group chat and then she was messaging the main yeah. genie or whatever outside of the group chat. I was like, that's really fucking on point. Like I was just found that that was like a really smart, like uh, you know, in tune look at how teenage girls actually interact with each other and how she Yeah, and like her she wasn't really over the top with her issues because no one actually acts like in these such grandiose ways that these teenagers in these shows do like no one wants to embarrass themselves and she's kind of the only one that seems like she doesn't want to embarrass herself other than Ginny who's like obsessed with her mum not embarrassing her um but I just found yeah I was like props to that actress she did a really good job she did and I think her storyline like um for those who haven't seen the show there's Bits where we see that she's wrapped her legs up in masking tape. Yeah, yeah. Um, because she, she thinks they're fat or yeah. whatever. And a, also a scene where she, this guy in the group who is also a complete prick, mm. uh, calls her like whale legs or something. Yeah. And then she she's gets extremely upset. thin for context, so it yeah. doesn't make any sense. And but then yeah. she, she gets on top of him and starts mm, sort of grinding to, on him. Yeah. And I'm like watching it and it cringing and going, yeah, that's what a teenage something. Yeah. Like, she feels like this very – and it makes me so sad to yeah. watch because, you know, you remember feeling that inadequacy right, and right, that right. hatred of your body and yeah. all of that bullshit. And I feel that in a lot of teen shows and movies, the teenagers are represented in a way where they don't hate themselves. Or, like, they do, but it's just everything's taken to these extremes that it doesn't exist on right. for a lot of people. Like, obviously, there are people who, who um, this stuff is extreme – but, like, for most teenage girls, they just hate themselves. They do subtle things that Absolutely. to make themselves feel better. Like, her, she's taping up her legs, whatever. Um, but in a lot of shows, it's, like, hectic bulimia that they depict. Or, right. like, things that aren't so much on the, like, subtle side. And, like, obviously that exists. That shit exists. But I think it's nice to actually see someone, like, um, that just feels like a little bit more of a realistic version of yeah. a teenager. I, um, I, yeah, I really like that. I don't know, um how you felt about Ginny versus Georgia, who you liked better. Oh. Oh. I think to me there's a really clear answer. Uh, but that's like personally, but and I think maybe what the – Georgia? Problem, yeah. Yeah. I think I felt like the – I mean – I like Ginny. I do like you? her. I do like I her, but I do feel – because I feel like I really – you can – I mean, at least I feel mm. that you can understand – her frustration at her mum. Yeah. But I, I think her mum is a more likeable character. She's sort of she's more charismatic actress. She's charismatic. As well. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, um I did I did find also in this show, which I actually found myself surprised by because I didn't mm. I wasn't really laughing in the first few episodes. Yeah. There are a few parts yeah. that me and Angus were watching it together and I started laughing yeah. at things and yeah. I was like, Oh, oh, it got the sort of funny. The friend? 
the the uh the one with the short blonde hair yeah. george's friend yeah will often say things that i like found myself yeah, yeah, yeah. ruffling at like, and i like, think yeah. the whole thing when they they have to chaperone the sleepover yeah and she just wants to keep them alive yeah which is really yeah. funny like there are definitely some bits that are yeah i feel like this show if you are like me and mm. you love watching stu- like stupid shit yeah. television that's sort of light and fluffy but still has entertainment value but right. also this show is sort of gritty in some not gritty yeah, is the no, wrong no, word, no, no, but yeah. there are some like more serious darker whatever, yeah. undertones so if you don't want any kind of darkness or uh, mm. anything then don't go to this show but if you like that kind of television i actually really do think this is an enjoyable watch yeah um there are some truly should we get to the tap dancing I just want to talk about him. Okay. So the guy that's like meant to be that really hot popular guy, the guy that did the tap dancing, he also sings a song. I'm I'm conscious we're like running out of time here to get to him. Oh, fuck. Um, But he's just not hot. I'm sorry. I don't know who's trying to sell me that he's hot. He's not. Um, There's a line um, he says when she's texting him and he goes, can't talk. I'm reading Gatsby. (laughs) And she like sends him like a nude and he's like, can't talk. I'm reading Gatsby. Yeah, it's very um He also says the quote I was a total zombie on Adderall for three years and they're like fifteen, so I just don't believe that that's real. That's um, true. Yeah. But don't people go to Adderall if they're ADHD yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I just don't like I was a total zombie on Adderall for three years. You were twelve, you had no conscious <laughs> idea of whether or not you were a zombie. Um I do have yeah. something I wanted to touch on. No, 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 go go. Taylor Swift's complaint. Do we have time to talk about that? Like extremely quickly. <laughs> okay. So Taylor Swift tweeted, hey, Ginny and Georgia, 2010 called and wants its lazy, deeply sexist joke back. How can we stop degrading hardworking women by defining this horse shit as funny? Also at Netflix, after Miss Americana, this outfit doesn't look cute on you. Happy Women's History Month, I guess. I feel that if you've seen this show, how would you even notice that joke? I didn't notice it. Has it it's in the last yet? episode, oh, so it. neither of us have seen it. But I'm like, oh my God, Taylor Swift, ignore it. It's fine. It's fine. It's so – you are so much bigger than that I'm, joke yeah. and Ginny and Georgia in general. Don't stress, babe. Yeah, no, it's Don't worry absolutely about it. fine. It's so low stakes. It was pr- I assume it's said by the friend. No, Ginny says it to her mum. Ew. Uh, yeah. No, it's just like it, – yeah, the, the show's so low like stakes. A bitch. It's fine. Like it's, it can be funny. It's like semi-entertaining, good depiction of teenage girls. Sometimes, sometimes it's completely just so whack that you're like, who the fuck wrote this? Which I do not yeah. mind some of the whack stuff. The tap I, dancing down the no. hallway, the can't read – can't talk, I'm reading Gatsby. Gatsby. Maybe there is an element of the writers just having a gag. I think the writers – like a clearly uh, millennial white women, which is why Georgia <laughs> is so much of a sympathetic. Also, quickly, okay, we really need to move on, but it is quite diverse <laughs> and it did quite well in its diversity in that most of the time, except for one specific conversation, it's not hectically tokenistic. I agree. Um, yeah. I found you that think it's going to be tokenistic no, and, and it's it not, isn't. Um, yeah. which I thought was cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are we good to go? Yes. Top three. Okay, we're doing a top three. Shall I start? Shall I wrap up? Yeah. Everyone said that they love this this segment in YouTube comments. Were favorite, yeah. So. Anyway, okay, yeah. top three reasons to travel to Port Douglas. The weather, the uh, serenity, um, <laughs> the lifestyle. Okay, great. Uh, top three people from your past that it would be hardest to have a conversation with if you bumped into them on the street. Not going to answer that. Let's move on. Do you want to do one? I'll give you another Okay. <laughs> I always like to just do one that you can't I know, answer because I, I find know. it funny. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this is kind of funny in like like in the same vein. Okay, well. Okay, top three places you'd least like to live could be a city, country, suburb, whatever. Okay. Um, Sydney? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm picking Australian places, but like yeah. Darwin. I wouldn't want to live in Darwin. Yeah, it's, yeah, fair enough. Um, I'll pick somewhere international. LA. Yeah, fair cool. Yeah, weird answers, but all true. Okay, top okay. three things you hate about staffies. The way they look. <laughs> um, I'm going to be honest. The fact that they can have that lockjaw thing. <laughs> um, and their owners. Okay, um, top three best teen shows of all time. Have I asked oh, you this before? No, I don't, I don't know, but I, I can obviously go straight away. Gossip Girl, The O.C. Yeah. Um, ah. It's hard. It's hard. Gossip Girl, The O.C. Does Gilmore Girls count as a teen show or is it not really a teen I show? I guess so. Like, I don't think adults watch show. But I don't show. think it's the best teen show. Oh, my God. I'm just going to have to say it because I can't think of another one. I'll yeah, think of okay. it one after and be really angry. 
But yeah, that's it. Cool. Top three funniest things that have ever happened to you. It's really broad. That is so hard. Uh, Our our, our mutual friend Pippa dressing up as a substitute teacher in year 10 and trying to take a mass class. It doesn't sound like it's a hat. To, all of these will be had to be their moments, okay, but well, that was really okay, fun. It was fucked up funny. Um, uh, Betty running into that fence. Yes, my mom's, that was. My mum's dog <laughs> ran headfirst into a fence and Hannah and I both saw it. Uh, had to be there. I don't think it's probably, probably not the funniest thing oh, that's no, ever that happened to me. but uh, very fucking funny. Um, Recently, one of the funniest. Mm, I don't know. It's too, it's... Um, I'm sorry, it wasn't a good one. No, it's just hard to think of something off the top of your head that's like... Because I always say that. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. That's true. I, I always say that, but... Anyway, I don't know. Maybe okay. uh, Ginny's boyfriend mm. tap dancing Ginny's down the hallway. Tap dancing down the hallway. Okay, uh, this is like same vein again. Top three best teen show storylines of all oh. time. Serena killing someone. Yes, correct. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> correct. Wait. Yeah. Uh, oof. I do love just the general OC premise of Ryan being from. Uh, wherever he's from. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember. Chino. Chino, <laughs> yeah. from being from Chino and being taken in by the Coens. Yeah. I, Sandy Cohen, I love yeah. you. Like that, I love that storyline. Yeah. Um, why can I remember? You haven't seen One Tree Hill, have you? I've seen like an episode. The school shooting storyline of One oh Tree Hill. God. Oh my okay. God. Um, so good. Okay, that one. Even though I haven't seen what about it. Glee, any Glee? I was thinking Glee. Yeah. Okay, maybe um the most absurd one is Rach- Rachel and Kurt battling for the wicked oh, song yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's just fucking stupid. Because it's we awkward. all know that yeah. Rachel yeah. better. When what's her face is in the wheelchair and then gets out after two weeks. That's also a good one. Who's that? When Quinn's in that's the wheelchair. Right. Oh wow, that had some bad storylines. Okay. Anyway. Alright, that's um, it. That's it. Comment to us your top three reasons to travel Port Douglas (laughs) on our Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.